0: We're continuing in, and even though your notes at the top may say something different, it actually is 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to go through the whole chapter. Uh, I like doing it this way, and I don't like doing it this way. There are advantages of going through the chapter slowly, and advantages going through it quickly. Oh, who knows this lady whose name begins with an S? S T E. Stephanie, okay, I forgot to announce Stephanie. Everybody else, good to see you. There are advantages and disadvantages. Here's my concern. When we go through a block of Scripture at the rate with which we are going through it, we are going to not... Deal with the intricacies of many passages that David and I would very much like to settle down in these three verses for the next six months. And these four verses over here are so inspiring. We get that. Right, Dave? Dave? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to make sure. David's sometimes not asleep. So we know that. We know also this. That when you come to a class that is doing an overview, you may not, you may not, it could be. Are you in disguise this morning? Oh, Gordon, hey. Oh, okay. We know also that you may not feel, what word did I use, Jody? Feel inspired. You know, we went through this, okay, fine, whatever. Whatever. And there's the linchpin that always concerns me. When we sit under the administration of the Word of God, and time is moving on, sorry about that, David. This is what you get for walking with me. When we sit under the administration of the Word of God, the most significant issue is this hearing and believing. The word of truth. Can you say amen? No hats off in the word. Hearing and believing the word of God. How many of you today. Have found. Through your experience at work. Just through your daily life however. That thank God I was in that classroom in high school, college, or whatever, that I learned such and such. How many of you can say that? Only about four of you. Jody, aren't you doing things today that you learned in class years ago? And, and can you say this that every, you know things like mathematics, don't you? I mean, jo, jo, Jody knows stuff like math. Who cares? But she knows about it. And in some way, the boring math class is for that and the cosine of this and the tangent of that and the uh, A plus B in algebra. Oh, my God. Deliver me from this. Has this been absolutely consequential in your life? And did you sit there when you heard the teacher do this? Yes, this is great. In other words, like. This is the most unthrilling class I ever was a part of, Chris. <laughs> and yet that is a huge danger among us. We may leave a class thinking, "Okay, that was all right." Now, let's be honest. How many have you of you have left a class during the School of the Word thinking, "That's okay." How many of you have left thinking that was okay? I didn't feel a whole lot, but you know, it was okay. Any of you? Some of you have. Come on, y'all can be honest. I have left classes like that and I've taught most of them. No, and I'm serious. I'm serious. Gene would tell you, man, I would not have wanted to be on the other side of that microphone. Seriously. God is secretly building us up. In Christ and building Jesus up in us. Precept upon precept, teaching upon teaching, verse upon verse, whether or not we feel the thrill of having been in that class or whether it was like. "Uh, uh, uh," And will he never shut up and let me out of here? That's the danger that I'm always extremely concerned about. I'll just speak for me when I'm either teaching or preaching. Or when any of us teach and preach or do covenant groups or lead Bible studies. So can we make sure that we never make a decision Whether or not we're going to attend a class or come to a covenant group or whatever it is, based on how we feel at the moment or as a result of the meeting. But based on the fact this, that had Jody not attended those classes, she would not be able to contribute or at least, you know, in this way to her, uh, uh, what do you call it, career. Is that right? Aren't you glad you went to all those boring classes? And can't you say to your teachers, you know, while I was there, but thank you for teaching. Amen. This is critical. It it just concerns me and it has been concerning me. And I've just taken the opportunity this morning to share this with you. Hopefully this will be okay. I don't know whether we'll get through all the notes today. Um, Hopefully we will. Okay, second Peter. You remember how. David outlined second Peter for us it's be sure and be aware this apostles last teaching his last sermon his last word to these people David has already shared that what is he going to say and and he does this is the Holy Spirit by the way this is the Holy Spirit what does the Holy Spirit tell us and here's what we must know and those of you who've met in my office with me a few times We'll know what I'm going to say when God is moving toward his goal and when we are cooperating and being used by God and we identify that God is actually I'm seeing things happen. I'm being blessed. I'm having answers to prayer. Things are going. You know what I'm talking about? Are you with me this morning? Are you all awake when there is a move of God, which there always is. But when we perceive the word, the move of God. Okay? When we perceive it, when we know it. I've just evangelized and so on, so he received Christ. I just received an answer to prayer. But God is always moving, but when we perceive it, here's what you better know. When God moves, there is always may I repeat that word? When God moves, there is what? Always There is always a counter move by the enemy of our souls to either to challenge that move in order to distort it, to undermine it, to destroy it, to do whatever. So the believer thinks there's something wrong. God is not faithful. They begin to question things about sometimes what God has just done. Now, how many of you have experienced the move of God in your life? And how many of you can remember? You may not even have been aware of it because sometimes these counter moves are very subtle. And some of, the, some of them are bold, open, in-your-face opposition. Correct? So all of us have experienced hopefully to some extent, the move of God in our lives. How many of us have experienced the counter move of Satan to oppose or, quote, to try to take away, try to steal, take away my joy, to try to take away my victory? Do you hear how we think of it? That's not what's happening, but do you hear how we're thinking of it? How many of you have experienced the opposition? Yes. And so Second Peter chapter, the whole letter, but especially chapter 2, is telling you something. And I don't know whether, I, I won't get past this much today, David. I may just have to go back next week and do this chapter. Is that all right? David and I have kind of made a covenant that we'll go through it no matter what. He's keeping his side of it, and here I am. That's why I asked that. <laughs> so I've had meetings with How many of y'all have been in my office? For whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly, I'm the ugly. Anybody ever been in my office for meetings? Right? Anybody has ever talked to me on the phone, as it were, in a meeting on the phone? I think most of you have. There are very few of you that uh, I haven't met with you. (laughs) I know things about (laughs) you. So, I'm... Most of the time, give a warning when I think it's appropriate. How many of you have remembered me warning you at the very end of the meeting? I need to tell you one more thing. How many of you remember me doing that? I do it. You may not even remember, but I do it. And I say, what? Darlene, you've experienced God's grace. Yes, I have. Beware of something. The devil is coming and knocking at your door. It may be 10 minutes from now. It may be an hour. It may be a week. It may be financially, relationally. Who knows how it's going to be. But that thing is coming to steal, to undermine, to take away, to question, cause you to question it. Amen? Now, can we get this deep into our souls today? I have a friend of mine who used to, I don't know whether he came to the church or not, but he was a brother of someone who did years ago. So he was saved. But he had a, what do you call it, a pill addiction, um, prescription, whatever you call that addiction. You know, popping pills. I mean, this thing was popping, popping, popping. Finally, through a series of crises, the Holy Spirit broke him. And so he realized I need to get out of town and go live somewhere else because I'm in a place and I know too many people where I can get pill, et cetera, et cetera. So he left and went to another part out of the state. He left. He and I still stay in contact. And I said, look, when you get to where you're going, I want you to write something and put it on the icebox refrigerator door. You will be attacked. But. Everything is okay. God is still with you. He said he was there about a month and he didn't give me the details. And he said, all of a sudden, something happened that could have demolished his walk. And he said, thank God. He saw on the refrigerator door that wrote note that he wrote. And he looked at it and began to read it over and over and realize, wait a minute. What's happening right now is Satan's attack. And why has Satan attacked, Debbie? Because God is at work. Because God is at work. And it refreshed him and encouraged him and emboldened him to stand against the attack rather than being swallowed up. By the attack. See, I don't know how much I know about anything. But I guarantee I know this. I guarantee it. Remember that? Who used to say that? On TV. Guarantee. Who said that? Justin Wilson. Remember the Cajun cook? I guarantee. I don't know how much I know, but I guarantee I know this. And I anticipate it, not hoping it comes, but being ready. When God moves, Satan's a coming. Should we live in fear, therefore? No. We should say, in the power of the Holy Spirit and confidence in God's power, we should say this, bring it on. Because greater is he First John 4, 4 greater is he who lives in us and me than what He who lives in the world. Amen. That should be our attitude. Don't ever pray, Lord, protect me from all opposition. It ain't going to work, John what is it, John 1433 in this world you will have opposition, tribulation, but be of good cheer of overcome the world. Amen. So here's how Peter opens the first few verses of his letter in chapter 2. False prophets all, by the way, he has talked in chapter 1 about the prophets of God and the work of God ministering to them, etc. Now he says, you know, this is what God has been doing, but in chapter 2, but false prophets also arose among the people. What people? Old Testament people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Now, is that in your notes? Do you have that scribbled out in your notes? That verse? Do you have it in your notes? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. In your Bible, will you underline the words, there will be false teachers, teachings That which is unbiblical to any degree at all. I'm not talking about a teacher making a mistake and getting his facts wrong or getting, you know, just having misunderstandings and he's correcting and so on. So he comes back, and I've done this before, said, you know, last week I said and such and such. That was an error. We're talking about something that is from Satan through this teacher to undermine, to question, to... uh, Uh, To in some way nullify the word of God in your life. To uproot the word of God. So what does the apostle say? False prophets also rose among the people. By the way, let me stop here. This is one of the reasons why you and I, we should have a pretty thorough understanding of the history of the work of God among his people. In the Old Testament, false prophets. Now, who is the first false prophet, false teacher in the Bible? Come on, class. Chapter one and two, God creates man in his own image and lays it out in such a garden that no one ever saw before. And until the world is renewed, we'll never see. What a move of God. Now, when I say immediately, I don't mean the next moment, next day, but the next move we see here. Chapter three, verse one. And the serpent was more what? Subtle or crafty or cunning than all the beasts of the field. And so here's Eve. Adam's right next to her. And he asks the question, which is the underlying question of any and every false teaching whatsoever. This is the question Hath God said, Did God say, Did God really mean, etc., etc.? And, Chris, what is Satan asking them? God said what? According to what is being questioned here? The instruction of the the Holy Spirit, the instruction of God, rather, to Adam, that he gave to Adam, and that Adam gave to his wife. Do you see it? Why do I say that? Because Eve wasn't there when God gave him these instructions. Do you remember? She wasn't created yet. Do you remember the story? You saw the movie. And so the essence of every false teaching. Most of which is very, as we'll learn, hope we'll go into the next week, very subtle. Is a questioning of the foundation of our faith. The word of our God. And today. If you have any. Sense at all, that kind of sense. What is that? I have a nose. A Nosebleed. No. What? Smell. If you have any spiritual sense of smell at all, and you should, and if you don't, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to develop it. There is a growing pollution. Of false teaching. In the world today. Brilliantly masked. In issues concerning. How people are treated. Do we understand what I'm saying? And one of the concerns that the church should have at least. Is how people are treated. Primarily in the church, but also in the world. And there is a disguised theology here, maybe not so disguised, that is blowing in the world and permeating the cracks and the crevices and the holes of the church. Coming into this church, as an example, this church, coming into pulpits, where the church, not all, but too many, but it's a growing phenomenon, is beginning to question. And some of it is legitimate questions. But the basis of it is this. Humanity is the primary question. We need to be primarily about the helping of the needs of others. Correct? Don't you see it out there? And that is not the gospel. Oh, brother, but you do, and we need to, you're right. But we've said it before in here. And you may even feel yourself falling for it. You see these things out here and this is happening. Do our hearts go out to these people? These disenfranchised? Do our hearts? Does your heart go out when you see little children killed in the streets? No matter what color they are. Do you, does, does, does your heart go out? Does your heart go out when you see women abused and, and, and whatever? Does your heart go out? Yeah. Even I'm going to say this. Does your heart go out to even... The homosexual community who are not treated, at least in the American way, equally with everyone else. Do you understand what I mean? We should. But the prevailing gospel is this. What the church, Harold, should be about is justice for people. That's a secondary issue. What have we said in here over and over again? The primary issue and ministry and message of the gospel. The gospel is for God. Write it down if you don't know it. The gospel is from God. And the gospel is about God. And God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might be saved through him. So we are the primary issue. No. John 3.16 is quoting to us, stating the secondary issue. The primary issue, Jesus says, I have come for the Father's glory. I have come to glorify my Father. John 17, Father, I have glorified you on the earth. Glorify me with the glory with which I had with you from the beginning. Look at the prayer. He starts off with the glory of God the Father in the fact that the Son has, been come, has come incarnate, become a man, and he will give his life for the people of God so that the glory of God, which is the Father's primary purpose, will be administered and demonstrated in the church which is the body of his glorified son. Amen? That's the gospel. Everything else is secondary. Does the church have a place to witness to the world? Of course. But Jesus did not come to reform the world. In fact, in John 17, 12, I think it's 12, Jesus says, I do not pray for the world Jesus did not go beyond the borders of his country except chapter 8 of Mark Caesarea Philippi and a few other areas but just you know he didn't go to Rome and start preaching about this and that and stop that it isn't that God doesn't care but his ministry is the revelation of his own glory in his people and as the people of God live according to that and then allow God's general care for other people, because everybody's made in the image of God, he cares, is to be a testimony to others and to be influencing others. Do you see it? For the glory, I mean, for for the purpose of ameliorating all these sins. There is a move out there. Which wants to elevate human need over the glory of God. And you have to be extremely careful and listening and discerning and wise. You have to know the word of God. You hear it? So when pastors begin to speak about our primary goal is to, you know, make sure injustice is this and that and the other thing and so on. If he doesn't say this is a secondary issue, which we're going to deal with because of whatever, maybe that can be worked in. There's a problem here. And I know I take a chance saying this because I'm on television. But it's true. The glory of God is the only issue that captures the heart of Jesus for the father's purpose. Right. Right. Are you with me on this? So Peter said false prophets are coming in. The false prophet is Satan. And his purpose has always been. The elevation of humanity. How do I know that? Because when he tells Eve. When you eat of it. You shall be like. God. God. You shall be exalted. Humanity shall be the first issue. The most important issue. Everything is in Genesis. May I repeat that again? Right, A.J.? Everything is in Genesis. May I repeat it? How much is in Genesis? Everything. Anything you want to know is in seed form in Genesis. The rest of the Bible is, is a growing out of the seeds. is a blossoming of everything that's in Genesis. So as we leave today, I just felt to do this, and I fought against it, and I just feel better having done it, okay? (sighs) Don't be deceived. Jesus even said in the last days, false teachers. Paul says in Acts 20 to the Ephesian elders, he says, I'm leaving. And he says, listen to what he says. I know that when I depart, false teachers arising where? Among you. Among you. So the false culture, the culture of this world is under the domination of Satan. 2 Corinthians 4.4. It's called the God of this world. 1 John 5.19. The world lies in the lap of the domination, the control of Satan. Jesus says, the ruler of this world. That means something. What it means, though, for the church is this. When all of this stuff begins to permeate the church, in whatever areas, politics, finances, entertainment, the way we dress, the way, you know, we we consider other groups, whatever it is. We must remember this. If it came from the culture. We had better be extremely. Critical or careful or analyzing it. Amen. It may or may not be. From the Lord through the culture. But the greater possibility is this. It is coming into the church like. That silent killer carbon monoxide. And creating great devastation even within the church today. So leave today knowing this. 1 Peter 1, sorry, 1 Peter, uh, yeah, chapter, chapter 5, verses 8. What does he say? 1 Peter 5, 8 says what? Be careful, be sober minded. Why? Because your adversary, the word adversary is the word Satan, S A T A N in the Greek. And the Hebrew is adversary for your adversary, like a roaring lion, what prowls about seeking whom he may devour. We don't want you to be devoured. This week, if you haven't already begun to do so. Please begin to make a priority, perhaps the priority getting into the word of God if you haven't already been doing so and in prayer and in worship and at attending school of the word and coming here on Sunday morning why because false teachers will allure you and trip you up if you're not knowledgeable of the word of truth and they will present 90 Present truth and a little bit of something else and begin to erode your faith. Amen. See you next week.